0: Hey, Common Scientists. This week, we are going to explore pets. Now, pets are a huge phenomena in the United States, especially. I don't know about you, but there have been movies that have come out about pets. Maybe you've seen them. Pets, one, and pets, two. And I think adoption rates have gone up a ton since the COVID-19 pandemic and continue to rise. Now, this has been a trend before the pandemic anyways. We're going to get into today some of these trends maybe even a little about the movie, potentially some pets stories, and hopefully some of the common science about pets. Now, remember, this is common science. That means that we are just exploring a question, exploring a topic, and coming together to learn. So I'm going to kick it to Aiden to start off with a question on pets.
1: Lauren, cats or dogs?
0: Obviously, cats. Man, I, I thought I felt obvious and then I... I got a little nervous. I think I, I'll stand by it.
2: Dre, cats or dogs? Uh, that's a tough one for me. I've always thought one hundred percent dogs my whole life, but as I've gotten older, I'm obviously like I don't know if I'm a cat person, but like my personality is a cat, so I'm like ah. Uh, but I'm I'm still I think I'm gonna stick with dogs. Mm.
1: I'd say cat personally. I like that they're pretty low maintenance, and we have two. Adorable cats, Arthur and Esther. I think Esther's made a past podcast appearance.
0: Probably more than one.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, they're just endlessly entertaining, for me at least. Um, But, Dre, you also have uh,
2: Uh,
1: a dog in your household?
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's a dog in my household. Uh, Yeah, his name is Lou. He's a Morky, a Maltese, and a Yorkshire Terrier mix. He is... Um, a l- little bit of a, a little butt head, a little bit, but you know he's. <laughs> He's cute. So that's one of the weird things about pets and what I found in my research is how pets slash animals in general, they were originally domesticated for like a purpose, right? Like they're essentially the first domesticated animals were working animals. And then over time or thousands of years later, we started developing this idea of a pet. But even dogs at first, right? Like Labrador Retrievers, they're meant to retrieve things, right? They're meant to hunt, stuff like that. Bulldogs meant to, I don't know what it was, but some of the bulls, right? So, but now we have these Morkies and these toy dogs, and it's like they're literally just bred to be cute, and they don't really have any other redeeming qualities, in my opinion. cute? Okay. <laughs> that
0: is not, they were, they were bred to be companions to oh all God. of the lonely people <laughs> out there, which is apparently like 86% of Americans have pets, right?
2: Yeah, or 68, right? 68. 68. I think
0: it's like 86 million fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There right. we go. Yeah. Flipping yeah. things around there yeah. a little bit. But still, 68, that's a huge percentage. So if everyone has pets because they're lonely, that would be sad. Now that's totally from my butt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that just does beg beg the question, what role pets play in our lives? Uh, what role has the pup in your your life played, Dre?
2: Yeah, so I'm a little bit on the fringes here with my view of pets. And <laughs> I, I like animals, so I do love animals as, like, just I want them to live life and have a good life and all that, and I wish the best for them, and they're really cool and interesting and all that type of stuff. I have a favorite animal, the mantis shrimp, really cool. But huh. when it comes to animals living in my house, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, and I don't, I'm not really a huge fan of pets. Like you said, like cats are low maintenance, but dogs are not very low maintenance for the most part. And I'm not a big fan of all of the, all of the duties really. So (laughs) a role in my life is is probably like daily vexation. Um, very little amusement, not definitely not worth the while for me, but he does, he is a companion, like you said, to my wife and she's the reason why we have him. And I, I do appreciate that because sometimes when I'm not around, she can just give him a little bit of snuggle and get some of that oxytocin and then dopamine rush that she might get from snuggling me. But.
0: That's an awesome rationale. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I hate the dog, but my wife is happy. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's awesome. I have also heard you, though, talk – in previous podcasts about some potential inspiration that you get from your pup at times like uh, (laughs) ponderings if you will that come from his absurdities anything you want to share in regards to those
2: (laughs) yeah i do he is a a bit of a case study for me i do like to To use my psychology major on him that's pretty much all the use it's <laughs> given me since i've graduated but yeah it is i i do find it pretty reflective of number one just how he acts in general i think it's really i'm curious about it like how he learns and how he engages with the world and how he asks you for things and perhaps like me trying to decipher like is there any sort of next level higher level thinking on his part or is it really just instincts like he just hops up and his impulses tell him to do something, he just goes after it. And sometimes I feel like I can see that, but I do really like how his behavior kind of reflects ours. And I try to like clean little insights like, hmm i am judging him for doing like these simplistic things that seem really stupid but i'm like what in what way am i doing those exact same things <laughs> and it's kind of one of the things is like he'll get up and it looks like he's just like roaming around and then he'll just go sit down and, like it was like what did you accomplish and i think of kind of where you get up and you go to a different room and you're just like what did i come here for again <laughs> and then you just go back and sit on the couch and you just completely blank out and i'm like okay So that kind of helps me feel some more compassion with him, but it also, I just like the insights it gives me on human behavior. And I like kind of, even though some of it is a little bit pseudoscience, I do like to make some of those links between um, us and our canine brethren.
0: Our cats will have moments like that where they will like either need something, which is like when they, if you have a cat, you probably know what I'm talking about, but if you're not a cat person, cats will like put their paws repeatedly back and forth on something it's like needing. And, um, and then like, even, I don't know, like shuffle the sheets around before they lay down where I have moments like, what are you doing? Like just lay down. But then I, myself, before I go to bed, take about four minutes solid to, to get situated. Mm, like yeah. I'll try this. And then like, that's not quite right. And then like my pant leg is like around the wrong way. <laughs> like, and I, I also kind of imagine just as he said that I'm like, wow, i wonder if there is a being outside of myself is like what the hell are you doing
2: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe do you ever feel like that when you're, when you're going to bed you're just like what is she doing
1: uh when it goes on which <laughs> <laughs> which not not often but sometimes. sometimes it's okay yeah um yeah it's funny you guys bring up the the cats as as inspiration and and dog cat cat and dog as inspiration. Have you guys ever had any other to to give, uh, to give credit to uh, the other pets in the world? Have you had, ever had a pet other than a cat or a dog?
0: So I grew up with uh, two birds and four cats and five horses. And a turtle at some points, or more than one turtle, some summers we had a lot of turtles. We raced them. It's what you do when you live in the backhoe of nowhere. And I'm missing something. Several hermit crabs. There was a series where no. one of my sisters uh, really wanted a hermit crab. And, like, it died every two months, I think, because her house was too cold or something. I'm not oh, really sure. Oh, my gosh. Um, and she... She cried and like, a new one. well, yeah, she like took it upon herself. This is my older sister shouts out because, uh, she's getting married soon and like, so life is happening. So in the, in this context, it's hilarious because she kept on getting a new one cause she swore to God if she couldn't keep one of those alive, she was never going to be a mother. She was 12. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, God. She was like, if I can't keep one of these That's alive.
1: I'm
0: never going to be a mother. Um, and it's, not really maybe so funny but it's just funny now because yeah she's getting married in a year ish, and like i would imagine that that's on the horizon and yeah she killed a lot at those (laughs) crabbies that
1: does (laughs) that does remind me though i mean what you're saying uh like as far as companions uh they also i think with young kids teach some responsibility even old kids <laughs> yeah. it's like man i've got all these duties and i've gotta take care of this are you insinuating
0: that jerry is an old kid
1: <laughs> i am and myself too because <laughs> yeah i mean i i just i've i appreciate sometimes the yeah just like that yeah that there is this other living breathing thing that is dependent on me and i've got a get up out of bed every morning to, to feed it. Um, what other kind of life lessons or, or things do you think you've learned from,
0: from animals,
1: from pets or animals?
0: Besides responsibility, or I guess maybe I'll start with responsibility. I think, um, whether it's feeding the cats or a period of time where I was taking care of a dog, uh, which is a ton of work, a ton, a ton of work. It was a big dog too, like a hundred pound dog, which I think is maybe a little different than a little dog in some ways, but responsibility I would say is huge. But I also think sometimes like the things that are required for a dog, like getting outside and getting it exercise. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of those things had a, positive feedback loop for myself it's like okay hi i'm responsible for this thing but like man am i also grateful that i got a mile walk in before mm-hmm. my whatever was going on so i think some of those things and then too i go i think back to one of our previous podcasts where like responsibility and being responsible to something unlocks freedom where it's like mm. I don't know, I was responsible for this dog, but then I got out and walked a mile and you learn like that sometimes the more beholden you are to things you love and the better that you do at showing up for them, like the more free you feel. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I know in my research uh, when looking at like why people have pets, especially from kind of from outsider perspective of someone who really does not care to have pets at all. Uh, one of the most cited things was the responsibility, and like you said, Aidan, I know that was a really common thing when we grew up. It was like, oh, like give a kid a pet, but like they have to be, you know, your parents mm-hmm. have to give you the talk, and like you have to be responsible, and you have mm-hmm. to do this and do that, and blah, blah blah. And it does help some kids grow. Usually, the parents end up just having a dog, and the, yeah. <laughs> the kids end up having a playmate. But you know, it does <laughs> it does help. But I think it was interesting because I, I was hearing like adults say it. In my research, and I was like, huh, I never really mm-hmm. thought about that as an adult. But it's like, yeah, we're, we're still definitely learning how to be responsible. And, <laughs> and a lot of us, specifically millennials, like we're pushing back our dates of when we we're having kids and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, we a dog or a cat or whatever is still giving us a lot of that same things that our parents try to instill in us by giving us pets at a younger age. So that's pretty cool. And I 100% agree with you on how, yes, by being responsible for this living thing one of the kind of byproducts that that's really helpful for us is that we become more responsible for ourselves. Right now we're starting to take care of ourselves. We're spending more time outside. When I walk Lou, I'm usually pretty upset about it because I'm just like, oh, it's always an inconvenient time. But so I'll walk him, I'll take him like to this lot that we have. And then I just end up like walking around for twenty, thirty minutes and then like reflecting, kind of doing like a pseudo meditation and really like taking care of myself. And then I go come back inside feeling much, much better. Um, and you know, getting some of that, mm-hmm. some of that serotonin, that nature and fresh air helps you get. So that is, it, it is a really wonderful benefit from that. I think, um, some of the other things are one of the things that kind of pets or, or Lou helps me, um, figure out, I think it's just like, like, I guess kind of like I allude to it kind of like I said earlier, it's like the, the reflection of it, like me getting upset about him doing things and then me like kind of seeing it in myself and being like more meditative and reflective on that and realizing, hey, I'm also just a silly animal as well. Like I can fluff things up and make them sound cool. But it's like at the same time, like he's probably got a lot figured out that I don't, right? Like he's like, you know, he's yeah. not suffering from like crippling anxiety about having a conversation with his mom or something. You know I mean? Like he's not worried about him. he's just like, hey, you know, i take things I was like um, you know, it's all good. It's gonna work out. I got people who love me. Like things are right
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i could learn a lot from my cats at times there are other times where i'm like yeah just the mind of the cat the brain of the cat is very small just putting that out there um but yeah where like there are moments where i'm like man if i could just like lean into the peacefulness that i'm seeing as you're curled up in that cute little like ball Mm -hmm. um Those are the moments where I'm like, oh, I could use a little bit of the peace that it seems like you have in your life. But then sometimes our cats will get super naughty, specifically Arthur, who is like a big striped cat who used to be really overweight and is less Mm -hmm. overweight now, but still quite large. Low-key, Arthur! Arthur! He just slinked out of his tunnel. I don't know if he'll come all the way over. But you might be able to meet him if you're on YouTube, if he does come. Anyways, so Arthur is, like, this big hunk. And we have this other little cat, Esther. And at times, maybe he's bored. Maybe he's depressed. Maybe he's anxious. I don't know. Maybe it's just for play and fun. Oh, now he's going to come for sure. Aiden's got the treats out. Um, He will hunt our other cat, pin her down, and chomp her butthole. <laughs> like, it's not... The most playful thing it is low-key terrorizing and then like those are the moments where i'm like i don't know what's going on in your psyche right now but i do not want any of that in my psyche <laughs> 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 no, none of that butt munching <laughs> do i want in my psyche and she'll like esther will like squeal and scream like she's so unhappy and arthur will just not listen unless he's been sprayed by the spirit bottle Okay, so if you're on YouTube, come here.
1: Try uh, not to get him.
0: Yeah, he is. Yeah. So if you're on YouTube, you can meet him. I'm holding him now. He's a big lunk if you're listening on the podcast um, and you're driving or something. Maybe you'll have to tune into YouTube one time. He doesn't appear on our podcast as often because he really likes to hide in his tunnel in the evenings. That's another thing where I'm like, whatever is in your psyche right now, I also don't want that. But he brings a lot of joy for sure.
1: Um, one instance that I thought was hilarious I'm going to call you out Lauren was uh, in front of some other friends uh, (laughs) Lauren opens up the fridge and pulls up out the sour cream and says do you want some squeamy weamy (laughs) and (laughs) and The other the the other people who were around were just like, uh what did you say? I
0: was like squeamy weamy don't you guys call it that at home <laughs>
2: like, <laughs>
0: with your pets. <laughs> yeah, it was an embarrassing moment, but the child speak or like I don't I can't think of what it's called.
2: Motheries.
0: Yeah, motheries. Super real.
2: <laughs> squeamy weemy. I didn't hear that one before. Does Emily have motheries. Or use
1: oh, or yeah, for or? sure.
2: No question. That's, like, her baby. Um, yeah, for sure. Which is really, really interesting how we've been able to connect with our pets and feel. Like, so many people, like, that's literally their kids. Like, they they were doing... There's not, like... There's a... Um, I saw something, some anecdotes on these homeless people that would refuse to take shelter because they don't allow pets. So, they're just like, hey, my homie homeless, I'm homeless. And I'm like, wow. whoa. Like, that is that's a level of dedication that's like obviously because we live in our in today's age and we you know we understand how close we are to our dogs it's not like shocking but if you just take a step back like this is actually really bizarre behavior um that I find that really really striking and I don't know it, it's a, it's amazing how how much they mean to us and how much we are bonded to them
0: yeah i agree and i also I think I've been able to separate myself from that some, maybe more so than some of my friends will talk about their pets and like, I, I mean, I love these guys. I love my cats a lot, but like, if it comes down to it, I understand that they're cats. And so like, I mean, if they, if Aiden and I made the decision that they were allowed to play outside, which some people in, in the Twin Cities area do do that, um, or in metro areas in general, we'll let them come and go uh like if he didn't come home one day I would assume that he died happy and I probably wouldn't look that hard like I, I don't know I can just like and so knowing that like I'm, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't feel like that about my kid now I don't have kids yeah. so like hopefully I don't also feel like that about my kids but <laughs> yeah like I don't know I do have some differentiation I think
2: yeah
1: yeah Um, i mean there's got to be because like the other thing is just that they do have short lifespans and so i mean as far as learning lessons go that was definitely something that i learned growing up was uh a dog in our life that might have passed when i was a kid and having to figure that out and how to deal with that
0: lessons of death wow mm -hmm. yeah super valuable
1: for sure yeah one thing so way back in college, I wrote a paper on pets and, um, and evolution. And one thing that was coming out, uh, or has come out, uh, that I was just writing about was like the, how much faster, like the evolution of pets has been like, I think dogs, it's been around like 10,000 years. Uh, 10,000
2: to 30,000. Yeah.
1: 10,000 to 30,000 are the estimates. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just thought that that delineation between that and like natural selection was pretty fascinating to me in terms of like, yeah, I mean how they are, uh, so much a part of our lives today. Did you guys do any research in that, on that end of things? Like the more, or
2: like wait sorry research did, was did, uh
1: just on like the evolution of pets or
2: mm. uh not not too much in detail just simply like yeah i went through like domestication and as i mentioned earlier like at first like what it was like mostly like they were working animals right they served a mm-hmm. purpose like even like when we domesticated wolves it's like oh yeah like they could Provide protection and warnings, and right, it was mm-hmm. less of like, oh, they're sleeping in our tent. <laughs> it was more like, right. they're around, they serve a purpose, they keep other things away, right? Maybe no bears will attack us or something like that. And then you get like sheep for the wool about 10,000 years ago, cattle 8,000 years ago, uh you know, llamas 4,500 years ago, and those all served a specific purpose. And then you get oxen and stuff like that. Well, I guess that's cattle, but you get, you know, those beasts of burden. And then somewhere within the last, you know, few thousand years, you start to get, oh, no, like, specifically with dogs, these are actual cats. And then also, like, one of the things I think a lot of us have heard by now, but there's a theory that cats, well, number one, that they're only half domesticated, right? That's kind of one of the reasons why they're so weird and kind of aloof. Mm -hmm. And then also the fact that they might have just self-domesticated as we um, began to domesticate other animals and then our agriculture became came really into fruition. Well, with that came past, right? Cause we were, um, what do you call it? Concentrating all of our food. So rats were like, oh, this is amazing, right? We can really, you know, we can start eating all this stuff. And then the cats were like, well, now we can start eating all these concentrated rats. So it was just like, oh, you cool, you cool. We both, you know, it's kind of like a symbiotic relationship. But cats are kind of uh, even, like, that's why uh, house cats are pretty similar to wild cats, right? Big cats, are not really that different. They have a lot of the same personalities because they're just half in this case. That's just how cats are. They're really cool customers. They're like, all right, you cool? I'm cool. Like, whatever it might be. You know what I yeah. mean? So that was pretty much the extent of my research into the mm-hmm. evolution of them and the domestication of them. But I don't know, Lauren, did you look into anything on that end? No, nothing,
0: nothing much more additional to that. Just the one the one question that I sort of saw that came up was like, yeah, whether or not like cats are the ones who figured out like a really good place to land mm-hmm. or like whether we kind of took them under our wing. So I did read a little bit on that, but, mm. um, it didn't seem like there was a firm conclusive like side, but it was an interesting question to posit. Like are cats so intelligent that they like, they were like, "Oh, I'm gonna slide right in here." Like these people, like you said, like they've got the rats and they've got the mice and they've got all the food. And now, if I could just get cute enough, that, like, <laughs> yeah. I could slide right into their beds. Yeah, I mean, and genius. Get their
1: table scraps. And, yeah, and get them to you know, open s- the fridge weenie. for me. Yeah.
0: And, <laughs> right. like, so that was pretty fascinating. Like wondering, pondering, you know, like. And maybe they weren't, I kind of imply that they were consciously aware of it. And, like, if you are familiar with the idea of evolution, you you probably know that that's not really how it works. Like, you don't say to yourself, oh, I'm going to evolve the ability to, like, be invisible, right? Like, a random mutation might happen in your genetic sequence, and something might happen where the population starts to shift in a direction. And so, like, likely cats weren't like, yeah, we're going to slide right in, <laughs> but something in them maybe did kind of help select for that which is so fascinating
1: yeah it's super fascinating one thing so one kind of general trend i'm observing from just yeah like chicken or, chicken or the egg um like the did the cats choose us or did we choose mm-hmm. them uh, kind of regardless, like, it seems like there was, there's a niche to be had, like a place for the cats in our homes, mm-hmm. and they they filled them. Um, uh, one thing that, Dre, you mentioned was the, like, how they were working animals, uh, primarily early on, and now there seem to be more fulfilling this, like, companionship role that kind of like i think to me it reminds me of like of throughout human history we kind of went through like where we had to work uh a lot more for survival uh and how like more physically whereas now it's much more like we need emotional mm-hmm. st- stability yeah, and resilience yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to me, like how pets have kind of evolved with us into like, into filling the, the problem of today kind of. Mm -hmm. So if there is a a problem of tomorrow, like what, what might pets look like? Do you think?
2: Hmm. That's, that was, that was good. Um, I'm not sure. But maybe virtual virtual pets. Yeah. Bring those back. <laughs> more reality, more realistic ones though. Um, I think yeah, as we enter the so called metaverse, as they say these days, or just enter this um virtual reality domain, that is I think is for a shortcoming, um, in our lifetimes. Yeah, I'm sure some sort of virtual.
0: Mm.
2: And or like they have to, like, kind of rescue us from that world as well. Like, the actual pet, <laughs> like, the actual yeah. dogs that we have now might need to rescue, bring us back, bring right? Bring us back. To <laughs> We're getting lost in the sauce. But what do you think, huh?
0: Yeah, I think I see more of the second option where, like, pets will continue to force us to, like, check back in with the real, with the here um, and now because they're hungry or they're needing love or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do think, too, that pets will continue to fill this sort of children niche. Mm. Um, And maybe that'll continue to trend upward as more couples decide maybe not to have kids. Because I think that has been Mm. somewhat of a trend in more of the developing world.
2: Mm -hmm, For sure.
0: But I don't... Beyond that, I don't know. Like, I don't foresee anything crazy happening you know like um but if you think of how like the evolution of cats has gone like i mean what they've like gone down in size by a ton i mean i guess it depends on exactly what cat or where you start in like the phylogeny right The like yeah which is just like the the tree um but yeah like so much has changed like if you jump super far out in the evolutionary tree like it could be cats with wings because we all fly and we're robots now it could be like who knows like it could be really really outlandish but it's really hard to it's hard to guess because we just don't know like you said if we're on the verge of being in the metaverse like what does that mean are we all in like virtual reality all the time so we haven't necessarily transcended physically but just like into a virtual space or are we now like uploaded into robots do these robots fly are they still tied to the earth like all of these questions then i think would inform like okay do cats have wings now because we all you know what i mean like yeah crazy for sure. crazy out there but like mm-hmm. i mean if you think about evolution from beginning to end right like possible given millennia mm-hmm
2: yeah, I don't think it's. It sounds ridiculous, but I don't think it's like out of the question. Like yeah. so many incredible, unbelievable things have happened throughout human history. I think yeah, you you definitely posit some interesting points. I've long thought you know, obviously like most of us know Scooby Doo, right? Talking dog mystery solver, mm. and I've kind of wondered like what how. <laughs> how, like how might we develop talking dogs because it's really interesting I, I keep going and i know that there's science out there that and i know there's a lot of some sort of dog language specialist linguistic specialist that would could would like trey you're an idiot this is exactly how it works But every time I, I look at a dog i think about them and how they understand language i'm like what's well, really happening and how can we get it to the point where they can process it and then say it back and obviously like they're going to need a new jaw structure a tongue and a Different part enhance or modify part of their brain, but I just wonder like is it possible and is it can it be possible through some future um, genetic modification, gene engineering that we can do, or could we just do it with our technology, like you know, create like a robotic tongue theory. or whatever? Like yeah, give them like some sort of neuralink type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, like what would it take? Because we're we're as animal as anything else. Yeah. Everything that we have is biological, came from evolution, came from the same processes that made a dog. So it only to me, it only makes sense that there is a way to create a talking dog who understands and can produce language.
0: Super fascinating. I don't know if I agree. I just think back to my recent experience at a science museum here in the Twin Cities area and there's like a skull of a cat and a skull of a dog and I mean morally, morally taken hopefully fingers crossed and then like a skull of a human and then it talks about brain sizes and just like how disproportionately large our frontal cortex is which is the piece of our brain that's responsible for decision making and so I wonder like so sure let's say the technology exists to understand what your cat is thinking or your dog is thinking it's quite possible that whatever it like, constitutes thoughts in an animal, like a cat or a dog, is not words that we could ever understand. Like, they might elicit some feeling that might be associated with hunger, and, like, we could probably make that audible for us to, like, hear, but could we figure out that that means, like, kibble? I mean, we could probably associate it but then you might just be hearing for the most of the day kibble 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 you know like because I think like we want to imagine pets you know like we want to imagine that movie right like where your dog wants to secretly save the world and like there's all this going on but like just just thinking about the sheer mass difference of like our brain versus their brain I just don't know that that fantasy will ever happen like my apologies
2: I think, I uh, <laughs> broke my heart destroyed <laughs> I my dreams
0: mean, I,
1: yeah
2: i don't know <laughs> I mean, go ahead
1: if humans brains got disproportionately large when we figured out how to cook food and like and absorb more nutrients if over a time span of like I don't know, however many years, 10,000, 100,000 years, like cats were able to absorb nutrients more readily Mm -hmm. and like have more uh, of that and uh, time to develop a larger prefrontal cortex. In that world, could they produce language? I suppose the, the one selection pressure of that would be a larger brain might not be as cute Uh, yeah
0: yeah it probably won't be that scenario also implies taking down the whole cat food industry and i just don't know that that's gonna happen it's possible though taking (laughs) it
1: down what do you mean by that
0: well just like you implied like oh all this nutrition would maybe be what could allow that branch in evolution but like cats Primarily eat kibble, right? Like, and if kibble is designed so that cats stay cats, and that's basically what it is, right? Like, mm. we're not targeting our kibble at like evolutionary chains of cats becoming evolved. <laughs> like, we are targeting it so that they get the exact amount of nutrients to produce the least amount of shit in your kid or litter kitty litter box. Like, yeah, you know, that. like, yeah. Anyways, which is, I guess. I mean, yeah, if you take that out of the equation, though, right, it's all possible, given infinite time. Mm -hmm. Low-key, I'm super glad that my cat doesn't have a huge head and, like, can fly, because I think he would come and chomp (laughs) me, because he gets cranky
2: (laughs) sometimes. Flying cats. Have you guys seen those, uh, those, like, teacup chihuahuas and stuff, and, like, their heads are just... Their craniums are just huge. They look like brain, like the mouse from pink in the brain. Yeah, they look ridiculous. I don't like, they don't, they're obviously idiots, but <laughs> they just have like this huge, like four that looks like they should be really smart, but boss. they look like morons. Oh
0: my gosh.
2: Yeah, and they're like, they're so hideous, but they're also adorable, and I hate it.
0: Yeah, so Same what, time. what we've been sort of like riffing on, though, this is actually a space where I did more research in. Mm hmm. Um, I mean, specific to some of the physiology I talked about, like different brain sizes and intelligence, and then a little bit into like learning and classical conditioning of animals, which we can maybe touch on later. But the thing that I thought was fascinating is that there are a whole bunch of people who do believe that this sort of communication could be possible, like better communication at least between pets and um, owners, specifically between like dogs and owners, I think people assume that dogs have a much higher intellect than cats and based on brain size, like they probably do have more intellect than cats. Um, but there is, there are actually several different like computerized, um, communication devices where owners are trying to communicate better with their dogs. And like dogs are learning through a computerized device. Mm. So like I did, Uh, listen to podcasts and read into some of these and like that was fascinating i didn't know that it existed like something where like a dog could like press something on like a doggy ipad and then like a treat would come out and it's rewarded if it gets the right toy or if it follows the right instruction i think that's oversimplified it depends on which tool like you're talking about but Mm -hmm. i didn't know that that existed and it does exist today so, like, 10 years from now or 20 years from now, maybe there is an interface that, like, maybe you don't know what the dog is, like, thinking. But, like, maybe it does just, like, go over to the doggy iPad and it's, like, clicks a button and it's, like, I want to play. And then it's, like, you ask the dog, what do you want to play? And then it selects, like, I want fetch. And then it's, like, with the blue ball. I mean, I don't know. But, like, it seems mm-hmm. like some of that technology already yeah. exists and the dogs seem to know, like,
1: like more tied to action as opposed to like thoughts Mm -hmm. or behaviors as opposed to yeah
0: that i thought was so fascinating like i did not know that capability of intelligence existed in animals specifically in dogs um but it does and like Clearly, there are a lot of intelligent life forms besides humans. I think we just are so elitist and, like, baked in that. Like, we only talk about intelligent people being humans that, like, yeah, I just, when you take time to dig into it, there just is crazy intelligence out there.
2: Yeah, for sure. There's, like, you've seen, have you seen those dogs on TikTok? That. Mm that do all that talking stuff that you're talking about
0: i haven't seen that on tiktok huh? okay i think but there's yeah, a, probably
2: yeah i think there's a few now but there's one for sure that got that's super famous and they have like
1: i need, I need to grab my charger
2: Oh, go I'll ahead. I'll be right back. <laughs> they have like a, I don't even know what you would call it, but just a bunch of buttons laid mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Right, like they have some and she just kept like adding, like at first she started with just a couple of buttons, and she keeps adding, and I don't remember, know what it's up to, but it's up to a lot of like uh, buttons that all had like fetch, like just saying fetch, right. walk, this, like chicken, whatever. I want this, right? Mm-hmm. I love you, like no, all that type of stuff, and it's this this is the type of stuff that i don't know what to make out of it. and i know like i said i know there's some smart linguistic dog person who's like oh this is just basic you know classical conditioning or whatever it mm-hmm. might be but i'm just like oh, it look like that dog talking though <laughs> like it, it definitely seems like they're talking so i'm very terrified of what's going on but also like it's extremely exciting but, I don't know, and, like, when you're talking about, like, what does their language mean, because, like, obviously we can put our own meaning onto it, but right. obviously their their thoughts are not, like, our thoughts. Right. Right? But it, it makes me think kind of, of, like, the movie Arrival, where you have those, spoiler alert, but where you have those creatures that speak that different language, and even though it's obviously, like, their thoughts are far different than ours, right? They're not speaking our language but it it does end up being a a language. A linguist is able to crack it, and we're able to get some sort of meaning out of it. And because of this other being who thinks and speaks and exists in some other way, we're also able to enter like kind of a whole, like in this case, it's like entering like, you know, dissolving the timeline essentially, the experience of time. But perhaps if we could somehow in the future, like, and some animals would probably be a dog, most likely, maybe a dolphin, could get to this instance where they could actually develop, become so intelligent, and so whatever, like, something in their brain or whatever is attached to their brain where they could actually have an actual language, maybe we could discover something more about existence or more about what it means to be a mammal that we're overlooking at, the point, at this point in time.
1: Yeah. Wh- whales and whale song.
2: Yeah.
0: If there were one communication form Actually, let me come back to that thought. Earlier, when you were talking about, like, oh, maybe we can figure out, like, crack their code, I think that with the research that we're doing on us, too, like, Neuralink, I think it maybe would be more possible, maybe not more possible, but I would maybe say equally possible that we could both tap into something that that we know, like, works two-way and is the same. Like, maybe we can't have cats speak our language but maybe there's an in-between like we can we can learn how to speak by like vibrating sounds and they can if we figure out like this technology do you get what i'm saying like maybe there's a more simple in-between version Mm -hmm. that would like yeah just require less cost on our end and their end and not in dollars but like in years or time or. I don't know, just because it's more simplistic.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I'm, yeah, that for sure, I agree with that, but also what I'm talking about is also not just trying to create this technology to figure out what they're thinking or saying or whatever, but just also like getting them to evolve into a being that can speak. Like, like, that's also just very fascinating to me. Even though, like, obviously they're going to become something different than they are right now. So it wouldn't just be like, oh, like, I know what what that cat is saying or thinking. It would be like, no, we have an evolved form of this species that can now actually form some sort of sentence.
0: Do you, like, do you suppose that, like, speech, though, is a more evolved version of communication? Because I sometimes wonder, like if we could communicate, like, telepathically, like, could we communicate emotions and feelings more accurately? Like, because I could portray not a word, but a feeling.
2: Yeah, probably.
0: Yeah, so I wonder, like, we keep talking about it, like, we want them to talk. So,
1: uh, that's how I think, like, Neuralink has been, like, that, that we would no longer need to talk to each other, which is a little unsettling to me but (laughs) um yeah that like we could telepathically understand what we're each feeling or thinking uh through the internet which slightly terrifying but
2: yeah yeah i mean exciting
1: in some ways if there were one animal that you could talk with telekinesis with (laughs) <laughs> which uh, which animal would it be?
2: Um, taking this in a slightly different direction, if I could like be inside the head of mm, or yeah. see through the eyes of, probably a mantis shrimp. I want to know what's going on in the most complex eyes in the animal kingdom.
0: Hmm. That sounded so poetic. <laughs> <laughs> like, how can I? I can't compete with that. Are you serious? I was thinking just, like, something underwater and probably a dolphin because they're cute-looking and, like, also super vicious, badass animals. And, like, they seem to be super intelligent and they also take interest in humans. And so, yeah, I was trying to think of, like, an animal that could also be insightful for us. Mm-hmm. And, like, while the mantis strip... I mean, that would be phenomenal, right? They see and like, it reminds me kind of theorizing about what they might be able to see reminds me of, like, when you look through, what are they called, like, the...
1: Kaleidoscopes. Yeah,
0: the mm. kaleidoscopes. Like, their reality could be something wild like that, mm-hmm. um, which would be fascinating. However, I think, like, in the eyes of a scientist... Now I'm not calling you a scientist. I don't know. In the eyes of a Lauren, basically, like I would want to, I, w- I would want to, I would want to <laughs> converse with something who, whom could help give us some insight as well.
1: I think any animal would. So, which one would would Lauren want?
0: The dolphin. Yeah. The dolphin. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. What do you think?
1: I think I would probably. Say like a humpback whale
2: mm. or an orca. Yeah, get, get, orca would
1: be fancy, fascinating. like get what's, them tunes. what's going on under underneath the sea.
0: I think it would be really sad. Like I don't know. I mean, yeah. I just I don't know if they are aware that they are going extinct, and I don't know if they are aware that they are hunted. But like those two things. Would terrify me. Like to talk to someone who is hunted and on the verge of extinction, I think would be really sad. However, talking to people who are on their deathbed, like here, humans, talking to a human who's on their deathbed can mm-hmm. sometimes be one of the most insightful conversations. Yeah. And mm-hmm. have been for me some of the most insightful so, conversations. So,
1: humpback whales, uh, it's been illegal since the earliest. Twentieth century to hunt them, pretty much all around the world except for Greenland. But they still are hunted. Um. They still are hunted. Dolphins. No Not about dolphins. Are are mantis shrimp? Do you eat mantis shrimp? What are what are mantis shrimp?
2: I don't think people eat. Them.
1: Please describe a mantis shrimp. I don't know enough about them.
2: A mantis shrimp. There's all these different classifications, but. There's, There are these shrimps with, they'll have like a big claw or something and like a club hand, and they have the most complex eyes in the animal kingdom with like, they're like trinocular, so they have binocular vision in each eye. They see like, I don't know, I can't remember the numbers, but all these different wave, like light wavelengths and stuff like that. Um, So yeah, they just experience like... Hmm. There's like all these theories and ideas, and a lot of them are like, no, they can't see Wi Fi. But essentially, that's kind of like what it would be. Like, they would be seeing all these signals that are all these things that are going through the air, through the water. They're like seeing these things. There's some, I think I heard this one time, but I was thinking it got disproven. But like crazy things like they'd be able to just like see cancer or like stuff like that, right? Right. So it's um, just interesting things like that. Um,
0: Holy crap. From our own social media, right here at Common Scientists. What's even more captivating about these little buggers is the mantis shrimp eyes. They're often considered the most complex eyes in the animal kingdom. While humans have three types of photoreceptor cells, the mantis shrimp has between 12 and 16. 12 and 16. So, yeah. I mean, possible that they can see... Very, very different reality than us.
2: Yeah, no question. They're um, also beautiful. Yeah, they yeah, are. They're check, stunning. Check yeah, okay. they're definitely stunning. Oh, I wish I could remember. I'm gonna tag the guy who took those pictures. There's a photographer that does like some underwater sea mm-hmm. life stuff. Uw dot art yeah. at uw dot art on Instagram. Phenomenal photography. Check Gorgeous. That, check that guy out. Um Yeah, I think too. Going into like another. Thing, so I would love to be inside the head of an orca or have a telepathic uh, connection with them. Because I believe many consider them to have the most complex emotional system in the animal kingdom, which oh, yeah. that would be phenomenal to see. like Because they're more, quote-unquote, intelligent in that way than us. right? They're more developed. And that would be amazing to be able to experience that and see what that's like and to feel feelings that perhaps we can't feel or depths that we can't feel. That that would be really, really interesting. And something that I think would really jive with me because – I've kind of been thinking, like, we keep, because you know how there's, like, this idea of how our human intelligence and technological advancement has been, like, disproportionately increasing compared to, like, our wisdom, so it's, like, the whole thing is, like, can we do it, but we should be talking about should we do it, right, there's kind of this idea, and to me, that really corresponds with Yes, we're called homo sapien because it's like we're really intelligent, we can reason, but we need to get into this mode where we're becoming like homo sentient, like, homo, like feeling, right? I think that should be the new frontier of human evolution is our limbic system, our emotional intelligence uh, being really uh, nurtured, cultured, and... I'm not gonna say selectively bred fork, <laughs> because that's a little bit, you know, left brain, but um, you know, it's just I'm hoping that we we get a more developed limbic system in the future as opposed to just our cognitive or our um, intellectual ability increasing. And I think looking having a path connection with orca might help that. And that may be some of that insight you're talking about.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, I really wish I could have an orca as a pet, but <laughs> not possible. Right.
2: Very illegal for good reasons. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's, I'd love to transition a little bit into like mental wellness of pets and like ethics maybe of Mm -hmm. pets. And um, I'm going to start with a pet that's like not common because I think that starting with something like that will kind of allow us to detach ourselves a little bit. But Mm -hmm. I remember reading a story of a um is it the killer whales the ones who like perform at SeaWorld, the black yes. and white That's those are they're... orcas, orcas. 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 Yeah. yeah and um i must have been maybe like 18 or 19 when i read this story so i'm recalling this from some time ago but i had visited and saw this orca wh- whale orca whale orca shark orca. whatever orca um uh,
2: they're actually like... most they're most similar to dolphins actually okay cool Thank
0: you for the question. <laughs> yeah. so I had seen this orca perform um, at SeaWorld. There's something I don't remember with my family, mm-hmm. and I remember just being enamored. And like the ocean prior to that point was like this big thing that was cool, but didn't really. I didn't think of it like it, as an entity with life. And I'm really grateful for the experience. The performance was awesome, and I'm just so grateful because I also. It showed me an intelligence that was like also way bigger than me, and like appeared playful and appeared like very human like um, in some of the characteristics. Anyways, then this specific orca that I saw perform, um, I believe it killed its one of its main trainers and um it turned into this big story about like what to do with it and i don't exactly remember how that turned out but i do remember reading about what it would be like to be raised in a bathtub like that was the sort of equivalent and i know this is kind of an extreme example but um i think that was probably the first time i ever questioned the ethics of housing animals like the first time I ever really, really thought about it and, like, questioned myself or questioned zoos or questioned. And it's probably been a journey to get to the point to even, like, question having a cat in my home. But um, that was a starting point for me, hearing about, like, thinking about being raised in a bathtub and, like, thinking about what that could have been like for an orca.
1: Yeah, I watched... There was a pretty famous documentary, I think, called Blackfish or something. Yeah, Blackfish some or Black
2: Fin, but I think it was Blackfish. Yeah,
1: some variation of that, and it was about, I mean, yeah, the situation that you're referring to about the orcas. Um, definitely made me think. Uh, I do. Yeah, orcas are, I mean, challenging because they require so much space um, but there's also plenty of other animals that require a ton of space Uh, i think that animals that have been bred in zoos or animals that uh, like were orphaned uh, in the wild like those are i am i don't know if i'd say in all cases okay with but like much more okay with being mm-hmm. in captivity as opposed to like taking a wild animal and then bringing him in because i know that's what they did in the early days of like SeaWorld. um but yeah that's i i think that's where i'm at just kind of super broadly
2: yeah that that is a that that is a good movie and that is a I guess a really insightful experience that you had. Thanks for sharing. I definitely have my qualms with the pet industry specifically. Definitely like death to sea world. I'm I'm off that. Like get rid of the (laughs) sea world. Not with that at all. And for the most part, not with zoos. But like, yeah, recently in the last couple of years, I've been developing this growing angst and disdain for the pet industry. I think that there is a world where we can have pets but the current way that we um, breed them um, and obtain them, I think is terribly immoral. I I think that it, I hope at least, it will be a stain on human history at some point when we become more compassionate beings and we look back on this and we see the forced impregnation, some might call it rape, of animals. We see how so many of uh, uh, runts of the, not runts, but like, defects in the litter are kind of disposed of we see 920,000 dogs and cats euthanized in america every year and we're supposed to they're supposed to be man's best friends so i think there's definitely a gut check that america needs or the the world this is not just america but um that we definitely need and a lot of just self-reflection and understanding of like i don't i don't really know how we justify treating living beings like that And I think like the adopt, don't shop thing is much better by the same time when we're breeding and selective breeding like animals into the world, like pugs, which are just born with a slew of health problems. They can't breathe. Their entire life is virtually suffering, verging on the point of asphyxiation and they have tremendous heart issues because of it. I'm like, I don't see how we would create a, a form of like living technology that is so defective and can experience that level of suffering i have a tremendous issue with it i'm definitely like against pugs <laughs> like not them personally but like against us breeding them and bringing them into existence and many other animals um apart from just or many other breeds apart from just like the actual cruelty of how people breed and sell animals but just like that animal should not exist chihuahuas should not exist these are travesties and just by their existence they are suffering so much and there's just a whole slew of health issues heart issues breathing problems hip issues that all these animals go through because of we bred them for a specific specific way to be cute or whatever Mm -hmm. um so yeah i definitely think uh the pet industry is very immoral i'm against shopping for animals um i'm hoping that there becomes a radical change and i'm hoping that i know you know how you know the china dog festival Mm-mm. so I think it happens every year where China they have I don't I don't look too much into it because it's honestly it's like it's heartbreaking I've seen some videos but for whatever they have reason they have this tradition of like going out and just like torturing killing potentially eating these dogs and like I've seen videos of them like you know just like grabbing the dog like four people and just like ripping their like legs apart like breaking the rib like just torturing them um, doing ridiculous things to them, and obviously that hurts us, because that's not part of our culture, so like, as Americans, as Westerners, we're like, that's like traumatizing, so there's a huge movement in the West, specifically in America to stop these things, and every year there's like all these videos and stuff that come out about it, but I'm just like, yeah, I understand, but it's like, don't throw if you live in a glass house. So you think that your pre red blue bulldog is not, it came from like some wholesome Birth and like all that is like no it's like bulldogs are another species that have all these health issues and stuff like that and the way that purebreds are bred is is not very moral or ethical in my eyes so um yeah there's my take on pets <laughs> yeah I no no no
0: you go ahead
1: no i was just i was just gonna like the thought that it's popping in my mind is like if there's a middle way like between optimizing for cuteness and optimizing for pet health because it does seem like pets play uh, a role in terms of companionship and all these things Mm -hmm. uh in people's lives like um i mean like you're saying the adopting movement um but like yeah i mean i agree that like selection for traits that we know involve health complications doesn't make a ton of sense
0: yeah it's it goes against like the very nature of evolution to select for things that don't have fitness so like just a little evolutionary background for listeners like when when as an entity as a being i guess um as an animal Um, generally evolution will select for you. Like you are more likely to continue on in an evolutionary chain. If you have good fitness, which is like your health and your, um, ability to reproduce easily basically. And yeah, it's very like, it goes against every fiber of like what science has said evolution should be like to produce an animal that, has poor health and or cannot reproduce on its own so that really frustrates me
1: although latching onto humans which are everywhere and like like i would say i mean chihuahuas they're a pretty popular dog like their fitness is like they do pretty well generation to generation because it is it has hacked our psychology Mm
0: -hmm. because people select for them to be because
1: yeah yeah like that's my interpretation of their fitness is like that like they are fit not from like a health like their own individual physical health but from like their relationship to humans
0: Well, I disagree so strongly with you that I think we might have to have a whole other podcast on this. (laughs) Like, I just, yeah, I do not think, like, a human pressure for selection should be included in the conversation, so much so that I think pandas should not exist. Like, the only reason pandas exist today are because we force them to breed or we inseminate a female panda so that more pandas can be born because they're a flagship species which means they bring in a lot of money because people think pandas are enchanting but like you have to force pandas to procreate in order to produce offspring like yeah sure we've selected them but like i think that's super immoral Fascinating. and like <laughs> i mean i don't know maybe it's partly because of being a female but like If there were a species above us, like, and because I believe in the food chain, like, I consume animal products, not a ton, but I do consume animal products, like, I believe that if there was something, like, above us that could then consume us, like, I would hope that they would take that seriously and responsibly, and, like, I hope to God no one ever takes me because I'm cute and forces me to have a baby. Like, that is the equivalent.
1: Yeah, I wasn't putting any sort of value judgment on it. I was just saying. No, right
0: I it's there. fine. I am
1: though. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with that last part wholeheartedly. I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's yeah. I think it's absolutely disgusting. Uh, and Aiden, I do agree with what you're saying about fitness, right? Because yeah. like the if you break down fitness to its most basic, it's it's the ability to reproduce or like. Yeah, the likeness that you will re- reproduce for whatever that means. That's why I call it a travesty. Mm-hmm. A travesty is like a gross representation of something, or like a gross rendition of something. So you have this kind of ideal or this thing, and you reproduce it in a really like off way. So yeah. like you're saying, the way that chihuahuas have become fit, I would call that a travesty because like that's not the way. To your point, yeah. evolution is supposed to, you're supposed to be like healthy and like this yeah. and that, but mm-hmm. like <laughs> the fact that they're, that they're cute. Despite all their health issues, makes them more fit because we're reproducing them. So that's where like it is, like it seems like a, a crime against like life to me. Seems so really, really gross. But um, I don't know. We just the animal the pet entries, obviously. It's it's incredibly is the, large. Is
1: the goal that the animal could be independent?
2: Independent, like could it survive in the wild?
1: Or just on its own? Or like what? Because I guess I'm just I'm just, I'm trying to like tease apart. I'm not making any value judgments. I'm just trying to tease apart the
2: neutral Swiss over here. The, uh,
1: <laughs> the like the the thinking because mm-hmm. yeah, just uh, like if on one the on the one hand, um, like selecting for them because they are cute in some way has these like negative side effects um that is bad like what then what is the like and like you're saying the goal is to select for for health is it just like is it years of life quality life like being able to survive on its own or like with a human or like because clearly they're pretty are dependent on humans i'm just curious like what is then the goal like what it, what is your definition of like health for a pet
2: let me just say i have an issue with people buying too much fruit and throwing it away so i have a problem with like the mm-hmm. grocery industry and throwing away and wasting fruit so the fact that we're throwing away dogs and cats yeah like their fruit yeah that I have, like, so Absolutely to me, spell, it's yeah. like, it, it's be, like the health issues are just like bringing these breeds into existence that are suffering just by being alive because we made them that way. That's an issue, but just the industry altogether to me, I, I understand that dogs specifically are, and cats are too, but dogs specifically are really, actually, no, pets in general are really, really important to humans. There's a lot of things that they do that they help out with mental illness. Like some can smell cancer, some can smell drugs, some can smell if you need insulin or you're about to have a stroke or a seizure or something like that. Incredibly important form of technology, but because they are living, suffering, feeling, live technology, we have a different moral obligation than, like, than we do to our iPhone or something, you know.
0: I dissected a cat. I just feel like I need to say that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Full transparency. (laughs) For science class. Um, It was for human anatomy and physiology, and the cat had been put down at a pound, um, along with everyone else's specimens, um, and it taught me well and like I appreciated the opportunity to learn I took it super seriously um I mean yeah I took it super seriously I did yeah I just studied a ton and like I'm really grateful for the opportunity it also like pushed me I think to like really cherish my own cats Mm -hmm. um But, yeah, it came from a pound because of the number of cats that are put down every year. A company sprung up out of that to provide, like, to then take some of those cats and, like, embalm them or preserve them and then um, distribute them as, uh, yeah, learning specimen for anatomy and physiology. So, like, also, like, gross that a company, like, that there's so much overbreeding or, like, there's so much misguided population, maybe is, like, the best way to say it. I don't know, that a whole company could, like, survive. I mean, it fills a niche and it, like, filled a need, I guess, but, like, maybe an artificial one.
2: Yeah. Which, yeah. It's complex. Yeah, Like I said, like pets are, like that's even pre- like I don't know if that's specifically like given, like you were in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if like letting a high schooler dissect like a cat is really that important, but when it comes to like science and understanding, like life and mm-hmm. ourselves stuff, really important stuff. Um, so I'm not, and I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I have the answer to that. And like I said, like the dogs and stuff, they have a ton of need to help people, like, you know, companionship. Anx- ease anxiety, ease depression, depression, smell cancer, all those type of things. Mm-hmm. So that I'm not saying we need to get rid of that. I think that is awesome that they can do it, and maybe in maybe it does turn out to. I'm not saying it's an evil, but how the pet industry works, it's kind of an evil right now. So like maybe that is kind of a necessary evil, or maybe we can just we can create we can create those working dogs, those working pets in a more moral way. But the general pet industry, like you said, mostly mm-hmm. it's just like. The kind of forced breeding, forced sex—it seems like an issue. And then now we like, we have way more supply than demand. And then we adopt them, and then it's like, oh, like this animal I adopted has a heart murmur. I'm gonna give it back. Oh, this animal is gonna cost me a little bit. To- I'm gonna give it back. Oh, I need to move and I can't take a dog. Oh, I'm gonna rehome this dog who's like been a part of my fucking family for. Sorry to swear, but for years, and it's going to have complete anxiety and yeah. attachment disorder because it, all, the, all the family that ever knew just gave it up like it was nothing. Maybe it wasn't nothing, maybe you cried, but it's just like, you know, like these are living beings that are attached to you and that are depending on you for their lives. Yeah. And we're treating them that way.
0: Well, common scientists, from the morality of pets to some of the science of pets, to some out there questions about animals, um, (laughs) even from three photoreceptors to the 12 on the mantis shrimp, I hope that you were able to learn something today about pets and dig into some of the common science behind why we love them and whether or not maybe we'll make a change.
2: Hey, common scientists. Hope you enjoyed the cast. Thanks for investing in Common Science. We hope it brought as much value to you as it did to us. To learn more, smash the subscribe button
1: and visit our website, commonscientists.com, where you can read our blog, join our email newsletter, and follow us on social media.
0: Finally, if you like what we have to say, you can absolutely support us on Patreon. You can always use more support. You can navigate there also from our website, commonscientists.com, common scientists with an S, so that we can continue cultivating a community of common scientists.